Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 167th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Disney's number one hater, Jaden. G'day. G'day. Good morning. We've, of course, got our resident Irish citizen, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. For the morning. <laughs> nice. Nice. Is is thanks a million a real Irish thing? Because I... I don't thanks know if that's a like a stereotype. It's tanks a million. Tanks a million. Tanks a million. <laughs> I, is it cultural appropriation that I sometimes say that in emails? I do. Oh, I don't think anyone cares about. No, Liam, you should email his boss and say, and cancel him. Mm. Yeah, no, no one feels racist on behalf of the Irish. I guess that's true. And of course, we've got Kung Fu Hustle Defense Force Arthur, aka Andy Lau, <laughs> aka Andy. Howdy. Howdy, nice. Nicely done. Very good. Fits right in. Awesome. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast, where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. So subscribe on all of those things, every single one of them, please, if you enjoy the show. This week, the movie we're reviewing is Past Lives, which uh, apparently had its limited release in the US on June 2nd, 2023, apparently. But is it still going to have a wide release there, Andy? Do, do, do you know? Oh, no, no. Joan can back me up, but I, that's what I've only heard it's been released in America as far as I'm concerned because it, it's premiered in Sundance and then a few months after it got, it got a release just in America. But I don't know about the other countries. Maybe Jaden can help me. Jaden? Um, I, uh, I just saw an article this week saying that um, it's getting its VOD release like very soon, um, oh. which goes against what Celine was saying in the Q and A about it being cinema only stuff for the next while. I think. Did you just mean here? Yeah, like that, that's what I, I assume she only meant Australia, and I guess that VOD yeah. release is going to be limited to to, to America. But yeah. like that still surprised me that 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 was um that that was happening. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but anyway, t- I think this is the first time I can actually say this film comes out in Australia on the August 31st. So uh, <laughs> look at us go. So you can check it out then at the uh, at your local, you know, what are they, what's the what's the PIV called? Like what, what kind of cinema is the PIV? Like what would you call it? Indie Art House mm, or yeah. local theatre. independent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Check it out there. Uh, um, Zach, yes. you don't want to mention where, why we watched Past Lives. I'm getting there, mate. Calm down. All right, all right, all right. Calm down. God. The film was directed by Celine Song, friend of the show. Um, it is a drama romance, and the synopsis says, Nora and Hei Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are wrestled apart after Nora's family immigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. Oh, that sounded epic. As Andy was alluding to, and thank you to Andy, by the way, for coordinating all of this. We got to see this film early for Australia anyway at um, at the Melbourne International Film Festival last week. And I don't know, like they call it MIF. I still I, I stand by that MIF, like saying the word MIF, I feel like it's it's a slur or something. I don't know. I feel like um, it's some sort of racial term. I don't like it. Um, so I'm going to keep calling it the Melbourne International Film Festival personally. So, yeah, we got to check out the film. We got to... Uh, listen to Celine Song talk about the film for an extended period of time, which was great. So we've got some first-hand trivia, maybe for the first time as well. So that's quite exciting. We have breaking news, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Do what We are about to contribute to the INDB trivia page because there's not much going on there right now. So uh, 
Strap really? in. Strap in. Everyone's going to take sound bites from this podcast, throw them right up there. Very exciting. Where does one go? Fitzy, I want to start with you. How did you feel mm. about past lives? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was very good. The, you know, the kind of wordless acting was very good. I don't know. Overall, it's just a very nice movie. Yeah, I, I enjoyed okay. it. I do have like okay. some problems with it. Problems with it? What? Did you so raise bad. those problems with Celine? Yeah. yeah, I should have. You had two hours <laughs> to, to 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 voice your concerns. <laughs> she was walking right behind you. You could have just told her something. Why do you well. make it more entertaining? Come on, Celine. Ah. Celine, I thought your film was perfect in every way. Um, <laughs> Jaden, what did you think of Past Lives? Um, I thought it was pretty damn near perfect in every way. Um, oh. Yeah, no, I I, I I did really enjoy it. Uh, it, it you know it's it, it's obviously a deeply personal story, um, and she says as much afterwards. But I, I just think it's really well executed. Um, it's a it, it's it's a simple story told in a unconventional way, I guess, um, but also not entirely new. I guess, uh, I would say. But I really like it. I, th- I think I think everything, I think everything is is super well executed from the script to the acting to the to the settings. Um, I think that her location manager did a fucking wondrous job, um, and she talks about that. She talked about that a little bit as well. So that was that was, that was nice. Everything just hits just right for me. Um, honestly. Oh, all right. Let's have a Oh man. Not not to put you on the spot, Jane, but I am curious as to. When you say the story isn't doesn't feel new, like for me, what my main thing with the film was that it felt like incredibly relatable, and and like I'd seen it before, but I don't think I have, which is sort of the quality it had for me. But I don't know if like if if you know of other films you've seen where it's like oh yeah it's about you know well you're probably thinking about your real life mate you got fucking torn away from your <laughs> your from your from your city of Perth where you probably had a childhood sweetheart that's waiting for you now. <laughs> Oh, wow. You exposed me big time. Yeah. Wow. But I, I don't think I've seen a film about, genuinely, like about people moving away, having like reconnect 20 years later, lo- like this. Um, personally. No, not like this uh, is, is what I'd say. But I, I think there, I think I've seen similar things where people are separated by distance. And she talked about how the, the real villain of the, of the movie is the Pacific Ocean. And it, you know, in, in just being, meaning that distance is, is, is the villain. Um, but I, I think that, that, that there's other stories that, that use that kind of similar trope. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I really, really like the movie. It's, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but like it was, it was like an emotionally painful film. It, or no, that's, that's painful strong. It was like, it was an emotionally strenuous film, I'll say, because I feel like as the audience, I'm being like pulled in two different directions as the characters feel as well. So there's there's a lot of depth there, but it's also just so simple. Um, there's nothing remotely heightened about this movie in terms of the drama, the emotions, the the characters. It's all I don't know the real the relatability just makes it more sad and more honest. And um, I just love how like complete as well it feels for its runtime. Yeah, I was just very impressed. I, I really really liked it a lot, and um, I actually think I liked it more as the week went on as well. Like. I know something about that 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 comedy theater, like the seats were getting to me a little bit at times. You know what I mean? So, like, just reflecting on the film afterwards, I was like, "Damn, that was a, that was pretty special." I really, really, really liked it a lot. Andy, you're the reason we're here, so uh, it was only fair 
we invited you on the show. You're excited to see the film, of course. What mm. did you think of it in the end? Yeah, I'm so excited to invite you guys to like your first ever film festival. It was a it was a good evening as well, I'd say. Unfortunately, you know, when Zach, when Zach said, you know, as a week went on, he he liked the film better. Um, for me personally, you know, I, I you know, I, I think I'll, I'll start by saying I love the film, but uh, you know, I kind of not thought about the film until I texted Zach about what time the podcast was. That's when I start to think. <laughs> that's when I start to think about the film. Oh my god! So I feel I feel completely, sort of completely empty coming into this episode, but luckily I read the plot. Uh, on Wikipedia to sort of refresh my mind on. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to yeah, please help visual, me with that. Visual, it. Yeah, it's it's a pain. Uh, I think I think I sort of agree with what Jane said about you know this is not new, but if I don't know what he meant by that, but I th- thought he sort of meant by like there's plenty of like New York love stories, and you know it's it, you know it's 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 a good subgenre you know romance in New York. Uh, I've seen something similar to this, but it wasn't really about past like childhood. It was it was, it was something similar to like, I guess you know what I got from the film interpretation wise. It's sort of sort of putting us in a position whether we thought this was a love story or not, or was it just about two people that really needed to connect with each other ever since they they were separated from each other. Mm-hmm. So that's what I sort of got from your your discussion just then and after the film other than that i you know i'm i'm probably going to look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about what you thought whether this was a love story or not and uh celine dion dion oh shit celine's song uh she she did a great job Uh, i thought i thought she did an amazing job it was so 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 good to see her on stage after the film and at the talk an hour later uh the dialogue was flawless. The screenplay is really good. Uh, and, you know, the film was shot with a lot of warmth. And whether you thought this is a love story or not, that's up to you guys. And uh, we'll see where we what happens when we cross that bridge. Uh, mm. Over to you. I want to cross it right now, Andy. I'm going to cross Thank it. Thank you. Please do. Uh, cross, a, cross a fucking line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it's it's easiest to, um, to sort of, I don't know, get people into the film or to describe the film to people who haven't seen it as, as that. Or like that's maybe mm. the connotation you'd put on it. Um, if you're describing it, but I think I think it is, but I think it's more than that as well, is what I would say. I feel like it goes Perhaps. beyond. I feel like it goes beyond just the realm of romance and more into the realm of like, I don't know, like our our purpose with each other and like our life choices overall and all. Yeah, it's and just and things that you can you know obviously relate. In a romantic way, or even just in a in a personal relationship sort of way, in an interpersonal way. But beyond that, it also just goes into I think like the decisions we make. Like I think it's as much about moving and leaving home in a way as much as it is about it is. the relationship. You know what I mean? So that's sort of that's sort of how I feel about that. I don't know how do, how do you how do you feel about it, Fitzy? Is would you say this is a romantic film or a, a romance or whatever? Well, I, I don't know. It feels like it definitely is for. Like high sun, but but because uh, what 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 Celine's song said about the ending was like that when she cried was that it was more about like mourning her childhood self than mm. than like not being able to you know reconnect with high sun. So um, I agree with you in the sense that it does feel like it's about more, like it's about different versions of yourself and that kind of thing. 
but it's obviously still like a great you know romance kind of story even if um you know Nora's not in love which is debatable I guess yeah true how do you feel about this Jane and were there there, there was no kissing in the film, right? I, I think Celine mentioned that, but I just wanted to like. I well, wonder if I, you- I think I think Arthur kisses Nora's forehead at one point, but like, there's no like. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, no, interesting. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, like I, I think it's deeply romantic. Yeah. Obviously, if the if the if the outcome, even though the outcome isn't the expected one, no, like it, it's a hundred percent about two people falling in love again and then getting it ripped away again when she when she decides to close off that that information. Like it, it's a romantic film. It's just not. Interesting. Um, perhaps like, um, I just I, like just because the ending it doesn't fit what you'd expect like the typical romance formula to be doesn't mean it's not romantic. Like I, I think it's deeply romantic, mm-hmm. even in even in the way it romanticizes its places and its and its its professions. Like it, it does a fantastic job of, of 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 romanticizing writing with her little you know uh, residence at that place and and all that shit. Like it's it's a romantic film. Mm. Yeah. But something you said struck me, and that's th- so. Do you think in the in the final third ish, when um, Hey Sun comes to visit in New York, and they spend those couple of days, you know, reconnecting? Do you think that's what? Do you think they're falling in love again? Do you, is that how you read it? Yeah, she's still falling in love with him there. Um, Interesting. Okay, but like, okay. like it's like hmm. it's too too late. Like it, it, like had Arthur not been there, then yes, but. She's found someone else. She's found someone that she can cry to. Like, um, like she said, she's been lacking. Um, like she does have someone that she loves already. But I, I think that in rediscovering this kind of lost bit of childhood, yes, part of it is you know seeing this kid again. Um, it's, it's what Slim was saying about like you know how you, you know you, you don't really get this experience of when you know someone and then you meet them again um, as as an adult. So like, you know, part of it is part of that kind of connection is just them looking at each other as the kids they were. But I think part of it is also a romantic yeah. connection. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Even okay. if she disagrees. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. I don't, I didn't see it that way. I, I, I'm, I think the, the other half of what you said is how I felt about it. I felt about it. Like it's them talking with each other in the, in those days, it was kind of like, I don't know, like viewing, looking into like a like an alternate universe or something or being like faced with what it could have been like to fall in love with this guy back and you know what I'm saying like mm. it, it, and it, it was more so the childhood connection carrying them there and then obviously the natural curiosity and everything in their past sort of that was sort of building to that moment for them as opposed to anything that was blossoming in that moment itself if that makes sense mm. um that's sort of how I more I more felt about it, but there's no doubt that the romantic aspect is was there initially. So it, it sort of prolongs, and it's it's sort of always underneath, I guess, for me. I would look deeply into their childhood and their reconnection with each other, sort of their reunion. That's what I thought was more important than yeah, whether right. or not they were in love. And I I guess I want to ask today about what the what the heck the uh, concept of Inyun was. If you guys want to talk about that as well, there might be something to it. With uh, like there, there was a, there was a scene where Nora narrates about Inyon to Arthur while there was a montage playing, and uh, I don't know how much that hits deeply for you guys, but whether you guys want to talk about it or not. 
Yeah. So what? So what was it again? It was the it was the idea that well, it wasn't it sort of just the, the explaining like the it was like the concept of the title that like like we all have we all have past lives and then and that all our we're all like our, I guess our souls or whatever are all like if we've been connected before we're sort of always connected in the future. Is that was that the idea? Yeah. Was it really like that? And was like it that really? enough connections gets you to the point of love? Or to marriage or whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, right. so was it reincarnation related or anything? Well, I guess it kind of is. Kind yeah, of, but like, don't they say like you know it can be as simple as brushing clothes in one life, and then in the next one it might be friends, and then it might be you know something else. So like, so so is the idea that it's the, though that it's building on something? Yeah, yeah, it's building. Like a progression. Yeah, so so building. Not, it's not like a re- it's not like a hard reset, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, okay. Interesting. So it's like you're having. Somehow your your spirit is like progressing in some way beyond uh, beyond the single life, which is kind of cool. I kind of like that. So yeah, I guess that's what they do. They they say that at the end of that final scene, where it's like, well, maybe next time, you know, essentially. Like, so the more you close brush with a stranger, the more you get out of the friend zone, basically. <laughs> in the next life, maybe. I think maybe. I think Liam I think Liam can back me up on this. There was there was a quote similar to that in Chunking Express where. Um, the, the cop in the first story uh, brushes past the blonde in a, sorry, the woman in a blonde wig, and then he says a quote about you brush past confidants, you brush past friends or strangers or something like that, and then I, like I've said it fifteen times, I still can't remember the quote uh, to this uh, day. Do you do you, do you remember? Well, kind of. Well, it isn't in that. Don't don't like because there's two stories in Chunking Express. Isn't like the first half, like two characters from the second story. Like go past each other or whatever they like meet, so it's yeah. kind of related, I guess. Yeah. So, so, so there's sort of some similarity to that when it comes to like a single life, and then you you, you connect a bit more, and then you not necessarily get out of the friend zone because I think I feel like the first one, first story, the guy is still in the friend zone, but I don't know. It, it, literally, when you guys were talking about that, it was, it just that film just popped in my mind. Hmm. Very definitely, some... yeah, yeah, very viscerally, oh, yeah. I guess. I kind of like to think that, like, what what, what were our first in young connections? You know what I mean? Like, I like to think that Fitzy and I's spirits were first aligned in like eighteen sixty when, like, I don't know, like the equivalent of us us brushing clothes was like, I don't know he got into like a fist fight with me at a bar or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just one punch like, to the face, and that was that was your connection. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly. like it, it, that it was, was like um, shrapnel. You know, it was like accidental. It was like uh, oh, I was fighting okay. someone else, but you got. Yeah. What's it called? Right. Straight. Stray shot. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Yes. And then uh, you know, it's only progressed from there, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think I um, at least another three thousand lives before I love any of you guys. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the key to what we're trying to analyze here in a way is the final scene. We've already touched on it a little bit. Jan brought up Nora was crying about. That whole final goodbye scene. I feel like warrants discussion, and I wanna I wanna ask like how it, you know, we can talk, we can analyze it more for sure, but just surface level, how it resonated with you, because I know right as it finished, Andy, you turned to me and you said, "Oh, I didn't didn't make me cry," you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> hard hard task there. But um, task. regardless of that, how how did it how did it hit you emotionally, if at all? Well, I I kind of wished I did feel emotionally attached to the story, but I really wasn't too much because I don't think I've ever experienced 
talking to a girl or connecting <laughs> with a girl in such a way. But that final, that final scene, that, well, the final shot of the film, well, no, no, the final shot of the film was when the car's driving off. Sorry, the, far, the final moment of the film where- The final um, scene, the extended, you know, it's like, I feel like it was yeah, like five, ten minutes, whatever it was. There we go. It's probably one of the most beautiful pieces of camera movement I've seen from a 2020s film, just in terms of how it was staged and how, 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 you know, how it moved and followed the actors and just the use of silence and the use of, you know, drawing time was just, you know, executed to perfection. And I thought that might have bumped my score up to some extent in terms of the overall quality of the film. Just sitting around with everyone in the audience, just seeing that take place where they just stare at each other for two minutes until the, until the Uber arrives. That was, I would say, immensely gorgeous to, to behold and, you know, felt very rewarding as well. Just, you know, yeah. considering what they went through in the past 24 or 30 36 years, I guess. I don't think that old. Sorry, 24 years. That that, that sounds yeah, realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, That's no, no. It was it was it was genuinely a good, good final moment of a film that I definitely took away the most. Even though I didn't cry once. Yeah, the funny thing I'm was, up. I cried. I cried many times in the previous screen. For some reason, this screen, I just couldn't really emotionally connect as 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 as, as I wanted. Anyway, sure, 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 yeah. sure. I'm glad you brought up the way it was shot. I liked the Celine story about the. Uh, here we go. Get ready to add this time to be trivia, everyone. Get out <clears> your notepads. Um, I liked Celine's story about the the track they had to lay on the street in New York City, and which, by the way, like just visualizing that, like I definitely take for granted that they have to lay a goddamn track. You know what I mean? This sounds, yeah. sounds crazy. Anyway, and how um they had to lay this track in the middle of the street. They were shooting it early in the morning, and uh, everyone like all the drunk people were asking, you know, what are you shooting? You're shooting Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. And there was a like, zoo on the other side. That can no, no, yeah, I think she was, wasn't she saying like the people were the zoo? Wasn't that? Yes, oh, yes. Right, yeah. yeah. were the zoo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like, they, they were all like drunk and shit. Yeah. Oh, I totally <laughs> yeah. interpreted that literally, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a giraffe over there. It was yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, it was fucking like, like oh, a meter shot. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Shaquille um, O'Neal, the giraffe. No, all right. Oh, my God. Um, Fitzy, how did this final scene end up playing for you? No, yeah, it was, it was very good. I like what she said about the arrival time of the Uber. Like, it felt very, yeah. the way it was cut short felt very, you know, very well done. Um, very, once the car ride just cuts off the connection forever, you know, it's freaking Yeah, it's that's brutal. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I thought it was two minutes for some reason. Yeah, sort of, sort of was. Well, like, she did say two minutes. She kept on saying two minutes. Yeah, it felt um, like she said it was like too long and too short. Uh, she wanted to make it like feel too long and too short, which made make sense because like the walk was like super, you know, super slow and mm. stuff, super long and extended. And then yes. the, it it felt abrupt when the cut came. So yeah, I feel like she um, that scene was you know a highlight. You know, very very well done. Yeah. Yeah, and that's an example of I feel like the film like very simple sort of device in the film feeling very honest because I don't know I feel like regardless I mean I'm sure that's like the most significant high consequential highly consequential like version of having to wait for an Uber you know what I mean but we've all been there we're all standing there you know you're waiting for someone else to turn up and we're you know you when are they going to turn up you talk or whatever and like just the way that was played into like but it's that. We've been through that, but then it's like, 
high stakes version of it, you know, the most intense version of it mm-hmm. you've ever seen on screen. So I, I quite like that. It, Andy, it what's was, going on? Yeah. Oh, no, I've, I've just been told to remind Jaden about this. Uh, he said he preferred, he preferred, like he liked the ending where she didn't sort of like get in with uh, Heisyoung and then, you know, she just stayed with Arthur. I think Jaden told me to remind him and then he was going to say something about it, I suppose. Would you, would you like to expand on well, that? Well, not quite that because that's that, that, like, um, but I, I, do remember, I do remember the, the point, the, the point we're talking about was like Arthur is propped up as a villain kind of for a lot of the film. But not really, because she's constantly trying to win you back on him. But when he appears, he he, he naturally feels like a villain. Um, yeah. So like they they, they do a, she does a great job of, of trying to rescue his character, kind of. But yeah, I, I think I think despite all that, most of the audience would still want her would would, would still want Nora to to to, to live with Haisong or to to, to, to choose Haisong. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, but like what the, the point that I was talking about and that Andy's is mentioned is that um, she's found her perfect connection in Arthur because early, earlier in the film she 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 when her son points out like you know she, she's like he's like you don't cry anymore and she goes there's no one here that cares about uh, that cares when I cry so her crying to Arthur at the end just represents that that someone that like she, she's found someone that deeply cares about her enough that she can cry to him um, and I think that's the first time I see her cry um, yeah. despite like all the time that she, like she's like been hurt or like she's in difficult situations throughout the film like where she has to sever that connection um so i think it's a it's a it's a it's a fantastic end um and just beautiful way to kind of clear out the characters um to to round out the characters sorry um and just so so neatly just like present exactly what you needed to present yeah it's interesting because i don't don't think i don't think celine does anything uh, specifically to try and position Arthur as a villain, but it's almost no. just like he's circumstantially the villain, like yeah. just inherently, and mm-hmm. that's and, and it's like that's the that's the that's the, what the uh, that's what is implanted within the audience just through the natural story of what it is. But then it's got to it, it, she does have to win him back. It's like it's almost like yeah, it, it's this tricky spot of like I've created this situation based on real events, but I've created this situation for this film and just inherently okay this guy's a villain i can't help it so i need to try and do something about that and, and that's uh, why like i love how that plays into into the book title that he wrote because like she's like i needed to make him as lovable as possible so yeah. so having his book be called right. boner was about like trying to like rescue like rescue him back a bit and show you like you know he's a he's a light guy he's fine you know he understands his hip and all that shit yes um, yes although he is a gamer so he's a bit of a loser you know, oh yeah, when, 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 when they had him playing games, I was like, oh, a hundred percent, he's going to be so neglectful and shit. But then he puts down the controller, and I was like, oh, thank god. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what? Like, dude, we all know that if you if you play games on screen, like it means you're you're meant to be a loser character. Yeah. And although, yeah. like, I don't know, like this, the the use of gaming in this movie was like probably the most completely genuine feeling I've ever seen. <laughs> like, no, no cap, because it is like. <laughs> no cap. Because he like has the headphones on, he's like seeing that, and he's actually using the controller correctly, and he puts it down politely, and you can just, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, dude, that, that was like, that like bumped it up a point. You, for me, you, you, you know, felt right represented. There. I did. I, I feel like, I feel like someone's finally done gaming as a hobby justice on the big screen. You know what I mean? So shout out Celine uh, for that. I must admit that I didn't understand Arthur's book title, like. I saw Boner and I thought, "Ha ha, Boner!" But like, like, what's the book? 
well, we're not told about what the book is. Yeah, it's like, just what, a writer. What the hell would that book be? What is is it? Is it am I meant to think it's like a crime thriller? No, uh, like like because like wasn't the image on the novel like one of those um balloon animal like in sculptures? Oh, like, I think it was. Uh, it, like I don't know. It takes me as like some like Burner to me is like a a a nickname given to the to the character to the protagonist of the novel that he doesn't want. Oh. Um, so I, I imagine it's, it's it's more of a personal kind of story. Okay, perhaps. interesting, interesting. Partially autobiographical, perhaps Oda. even. Perhaps yes, yes. Okay, I think uh, Celine should write this book now. I'm really <laughs> curious as to what it is, or at least explain what the hell it is, because I'm curious. Or adapt it for a next feature, maybe. Oh yeah, she, she yeah yeah yeah. A twenty four is going to back that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Are we allowed to use Gen Z terms like no cap and all that on this show? Or well, I've already been. I, I, I feel like I was yelled at for it last time, so I'm just you know. I've got it out of the way. It's now in the oh. vocabulary of the show, yes. You were yelling at me about it? <laughs> what? When were you, you were yelling at me about it? Oh, yeah, me and Indiana Jones view. You guys and Luke yelled at me for saying no cap. Remember that? Did we? Yeah. Jane doesn't remember his abuse. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, yeah. I, like, I don't just like, I, I would 100% do something like that. Like, I'm not going to deny that, but I don't remember that. <laughs> Luke will remember. He was the main proponent. I was oh, going to yes. do an audience complaint. Don't worry. Oh, okay. No, no, no. That's fine. Yeah. I said it again. I'm going to keep saying it. I don't care. Sorry, oh, no. Spooky. Um, I'm sorry. I just want to. I just want to touch on something that you guys all mentioned, but just in a broader sense, of like um, but like with the timing at the end of the film, it just executed fantastically. And like, you know, I think when she was saying like she like about like laying the track, I think she said like 150 meters odd. So that's a long walk and a long walk back, and that two minutes pause there. But it, like, it it all does feel right. But I just think like. Just like beyond that, I think the timing feels right throughout the rest of the novel, like the, the the rest of the film. Sorry, like every pause, every break, every time Skype fucking stutters, it all just oh, feels that was great. It just yeah. all feels like the right length of time, um, just constantly throughout. Um, and even how she like in the in the greater sense when she talks about finding the right time uh, of twelve years, um, as well. It, it, it she like she really feels like like everything has been very nicely planned out time-wise mm. yeah great point absolutely yeah well yeah Very when talked about why she chose 12 years as the two little as the two not little as the two spaces um yeah no for sure that it all feels very very deliberate and uh it's well done yes andy i mean you, can just, no, you, you don't need to keep raising your hand it's fine it's all good oh, okay <laughs> i mean it's my fourth show and i still put my hand up anyway uh no right. cap <laughs> No cap. When when it cut to twelve years later, I didn't. I wasn't convinced Nora and Arthur were like a actual couple that's been together for ten years. I thought they would be like bored or tired of each other by then. Yeah, so like married couples are. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I it, it didn't really convince me that they were a couple that's been married for like what less than twelve years or been together for like you know twelve years. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is, is, there, is there something you want to comment on that, or well, is it just a me problem? Yeah. Well, Nora says they like argue a lot, but you don't really see them argue. Oh. Um, well, yeah. if they argued, then it would have made him more of a villain. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, so. What would they argue about? Racial mm. dynamics, or? <laughs> oh God! Didn't she say they just argue about everything, just little things as well? Somewhat, yeah. Mm. Just like art and books and writing, I guess. Was that was that one of your was that one of your reservations that you mentioned at the start, Fitzy? Yeah, kind of, kind of just that like the film doesn't have any. There's 
friction in the sense of like it's all an awkward situation between the three of them. The movie doesn't have to have this, and it's just like a preference thing. But there's no like dramatic conflict in the movie, like in Marriage Story, for example. Well, there's no like mm. like that sense of friction. Um, right. That's usually in you know a film. Um, but that and just like how many still shots there are in the film, kind of just preferentially like rub me the wrong way, I guess. Um, but you know, objectively, there's nothing wrong with not you know doing either of those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I t- I totally understand that because like to me and I presume Celine would agree as to why she didn't make those choices like that, like go taking a more confrontational route with some of the, um, I don't know, with some of the conflict, like would just sort of change the air of the film, you know, into something else, which I get what you're saying. You'd just rather that something else. It's totally cool. But um, yeah, I don't know. It would sort of be a different film. I guess she didn't want to make that, which sort of makes sense. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think you can make this movie like like a marriage story kind of thing. Um, you really can't. Yeah. And and uh, and I think like you can't really do much with the camera either. Like it feels very, like the fact that she brought up theater when she was talking about, you know, why is this a movie and not a play it makes a lot of sense because there's not a lot going on with the camera except maybe the tracking shot at the end. But like it's a very still film and slow and. Um, like it felt longer than it was um, because of that for me uh, especially when you get to like the writer's residency and just like kind of lingers around there for like a minute or two yeah I was like, yeah. Well, I was like okay this is just yeah that didn't work but um yeah what was I saying Some, um, no I, I actually agree with that I particularly did notice the I, I don't think it, it's on a con for me but like I did I did notice um you know, extended periods of time spent in some areas like that. I um, I have a film breeze by, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. Like when Andy said 84 minutes or whatever he said at the end of the film, I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. And then I saw 106, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Believed yeah. it either way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going on what Liam said, uh, it does sort of feel like they, you know, dabble on with the writer's residency a bit. But, you know, going off topic, I did feel like, the pacing for each time period did feel a bit breezy in their own way, sort of. So, like, from their childhood, it's only, like, what, first five minutes of the film. Then you go to 12 years later, it's spent on going on Skype, and then you go forward to another 12 years later, which is their reunion. I I thought the visual language was done really well to depict each time period, especially the Skype scenes where it cuts between two talking heads on Skype and, you know, in, in their interior environment, especially with the uh, lagging scenes, that, yes, that felt um, yeah. that felt like it cut a lot quicker. And then you get to the reunion. What back to what Liam said about the stillness and the slow uh, vibes. It feel, I felt like the camera lingered on their reunion a lot longer than I thought. Like there was one tracking shot where they walk in the park. It was like a crane shot, and he just goes down all the way to 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 this side of the path where they just keep walking. And then especially on the boat as well, they the camera is literally one take. I thought the use of the visual language and, you know, the use of time and space was done really well to depict. Because mm. I think I think what Celine wanted to do was try to embrace their reunion with, you know, longer longer takes, if that's if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. I, I don't know if I sound right in saying yeah. that. Yeah. No, I think yeah. that's spot on. Is there anything you guys want to talk about the 
cinematography and the editing at all. Well, Liam, you've seen some of the small X films, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, have you seen the Have you seen the one that the the, the that the Q and A chick said Mangrove? Mangrove. And how she like said that it felt like super similar to that visually straight away. Yeah, I've I've seen Mangrove. I can't really recall uh, similarities. Um, it, I, I guess in the sense of like theater framing, kind of like the straight in Mangrove feels very like theatery, but. Yeah, mm. I don't. I can't speak to like any more specific right. specificity. Yeah, I love the way the film was shot. It, like, I'm not sure if it, it's just the way that. But like, I feel like things things existed in the foreground, and things existed in the background, and, and it didn't feel like there was that real middle ground. And that, that's kind of where the theater f- feel came true f- for me as well. Where like you know you have the actors, and then typically you have like a painted on background or, or a still s- stage or whatever in theater. Um, and I love that quality to the film because um, everything, it felt like it, it, it did just feel like people interacting with almost like a stage. Um, and I, I think it worked really fantastically um, and it just looked gorgeous as well. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the examples you bring up of their reunion, Andy, and sort of letting the scenes breathe in those moments, like that's, that's an example. I actually, I actually agree with Fitzy with the, the that one scene at the writer's cabin, but, the cabin, whatever it was, retreat. That um, felt quick as well. The cabin scenes as well. Yeah. Anyway, right. Continue. But um, the yeah yeah just the way that the reunion breathes like really adds to it. I think it really adds a lot of weight to it. Um, mm. and like an awk like an awkwardness in a sense, but like it not not like I don't know no not really awkwardness. Like it adds this anticipation to it of like everything. You feel the past in the present just through the space, I think, somehow, which is conveyed very nicely. Um, but, yeah, no, no, the film's obviously gorgeous and Jan already mentioned some of the locations, dude. They were unbelievable. I, I freaking loved it. Dude, I'm like a huge Freedom Tower mark. I love Freedom Tower. I think it's awesome looking. And, like, this film, like, Freedom Tower is just there all the time. So uh, I was I was really into that yeah, and, like, sorry, that I little... we have our resident uh, New York specialist here. Who's... <laughs> Who's recently uh, lived there for a prolonged period of time? For a long period of time, yeah, such a exactly. flex! Oh my god, no, no, I, that, that little I, I couldn't quite place. I'm obviously not well uh, oriented enough. I, I couldn't quite place where they, like that that bloody uh, location they have with like the what are they, re, merry-go-round? What are, you know what I'm talking about? The carousel. The carousel thank you. Carousel, um, that that spot they have there, I really, really that was a really cool spot. I really liked that location. That was a standout for me, and then also mm. just like the um, the Statue of Liberty ferry was great because I literally did that uh, a month ago. So <laughs> that, that, that was no, but it was that that felt like quite significant as well. Were there any other were any other top locations worth mentioning? Because Celine was very quick to shout out her locations managers for both Korea and New York who worked on the film, and um, they do they do feel like characters in the film. Um, that was well done. That, that that Korea shot early in the film with the kids. It's like it's like way too obvious um, of like them oh, taking different the, paths. The stairs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's great, but like it's like it's like way it's it's a bit like. And she said like you know like they found the perfect place and whatever, and like it is a perfect place to represent like they are going a different path, but it yeah. is so fucking obvious. I, I, so, I felt like whispering like symbolism so strongly. Like I was gonna like, say, I was gonna lean <laughs> over to you and be like, I'm be, be like, you know, oh yeah, There's something. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, the show, it's just so yeah. Um, 
But you can imagine if you find that location and you're making this movie, like you can't. Oh, it's not just perfect. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it has to be. It has to be romantic, and that location did, you know, did hit its spot in some way. That it's absolutely symbolism enough, but you know, very romantic at the same time. Yeah, Mm. absolutely, hundred percent. I think no, my favorite. My favorite two shots in the movie are actually like the, the the first shot and the last shot. The opening shot was amazing. Like the the dialogue was funny. The scene inserts this sort of mystery element that frames the whole thing about like you know trying to figure out who these people are to each other and like which was just which was hilarious very relatable again this feels like a conversation anyone would have but then also it's like compelling i'm like damn i, I actually that's hilarious but i actually also want to know <laughs> right now <laughs> um so that that was really clever and you know like really that just including that scene right at the start you could argue, I don't know, I feel like reading it, you could argue it's unnecessary. It sort of doesn't add anything, but um, I think it adds a lot. And yeah. the way that Nora looks into the camera was like almost hypnotic to me. It was like, it felt like the character was, it felt like the character was judging me personally for trying to figure them out. And um, and I loved how Celine played with that and how that was like, when she said that that was the spark for the, the whole idea of the film in the first place and then using that was was awesome. I loved it. When, it was, um, it was, when she was talking about being the spark, was she was she the couple being scrutinized, or was she the one making the comments? I can't remember. She was she was Nora. She was in the she middle. Was Nora. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she looked at the couple and made eye ah, contact. Yes. With yes. Them, right. Right. Yeah. Which is which is fantastic. Yeah. That was more hypnotic than I thought. That that opening shot as well it was very, you know, it was very good, good to look at, and I guess it it, it did it, it did help the audience settle to the film. Into knowing more about why Norris is looking at us like that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It did. It really to me. It was like Greta, Greta Lee, man. Why are you don't look at me like that? You know, <laughs> that's what that's what it felt like to me. That was awesome. And the final, oh, dude, the final shot, the final final shot of the of that bridge oh, yeah. in New York City. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but I feel like an essay could be wrote about it or something because it spooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a look at the film. Exactly, exactly. I loved it. I know it was like it was so simple, but so goddamn sweeping. Sweeping, yeah. Like it feels like something anyone could shoot on their phone, but like something about the way like the railing and the bridge starts rushing past faster and faster as the car is moving. Like Mm. it somehow feels like it represents the whole story, and like feels like it represents like. I'm not trying to sound too pretentious, but it feels like it's, it represents how like how life seems to accelerate as we get older in some way or something like that. Like it just felt like deeply connected to the themes of the film in a weird way, I think. Well, I really liked it because I was thinking like because it's so much of the film is still, you know, to have it like end on this moving shot, whereas like I feel like films usually, they usually end on like an, on, a, on a still shot, like a lingering, you know, shot yeah. where you're like looking at the character's face and, I think of like the Godfather Part Two or something. He's, he's, um, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so the fact that it's like opposite is really good, and it, it makes it more impactful because, like, you know, the camera barely moves like like that in the film. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's totally true. Yeah, it, it, you really cut to credits with a sense of with a different feel of sort of I don't know with with moving forward than the rest of the film ever has. Um, Andy, you want to some, tell of, some, some of the dialogue I thought was interesting, especially when she's brushing her teeth and Arthur's just brushing past her mm. in the room where she's talking about, 
oh, seeing Hei Sung makes me feel less Korean. It's like, oh, yeah. he's really Korean. What do you guys thought about well, that? Well, like, how, how did you guys feel about, like, how funny the film was? Because the audience... Oh, the audience uh, overreacted so fucking yeah, much, man. Yeah. <laughs> the audience <laughs> was going off. Like, they, 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 like the audience knew that Selena was like nearby, so like they had to make sure that they they that yeah, they, yeah. That they heard <laughs> Like it was funny and it was sad and it, it warranted those reactions to a degree, but it not in such a loud way. Unless that's just how festival crowds are, because you know then they know that the creatives are there nearby. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, but like mm. they laughed too much. Um, yeah, it was no. You're, you're right. It was funny. Uh, it, it was um, yes. Some of the dog Arthur was saying is pretty funny too. But like with other moments, the audience just over laughed just because Celine Song could have been in our presence. She probably went off for a snack. Who knows? But yeah, she, yeah, they just laughed it for plays. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but no, I think it, it's 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 comedic in a very tender, um, gentle. It, 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 like in a, in a novel like sense is, is how I'd say like you know like if I was reading a book and they, they wanted to make a they wanted to make a few funny lines that's how it feels like I feel like that's how I would read them um maybe that comes from like her playwriting days perhaps but like it, it it doesn't feel like it's because she's she's not using the screen to tell a joke she's using she's using words and she's using kind of like dynamics um performances is what yeah for sure yeah um so like but if you like the jokes were written in, in like a kind of subtle way maybe you know yeah well like one thing that the audience like went off on was like when she was telling the story about inyan and she says like oh that's just something korean said to like seduce a guy yeah and then they kind of i was like like oh oh and then the audience like um you know um all after that real real hard but um it, it was like it wasn't like a laugh out loud moment it was like a it's like a little chuckle you know a little yeah chuckle to you a little a little grin <laughs> yeah yeah I can't right the film did right. make make me grin after yeah all. yeah i was, I was pretty like okay. an idiot throughout yeah yeah Liam's right in a way yeah sure well, zach said grin yeah i feel like there's something else to be yeah yeah i don't know like obviously not celine's fault by any means but i feel like there is something to to what we're saying about maybe don't have her come out at the start you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like because I didn't know she was there then. No, you know no. I don't think anyone did, right? Um, well, Andy was surprised by it as well. Like I didn't know she was here for Q and A. Q&A. Yeah, I, I knew she was going to be present before the screening, but I didn't know she was going to be here for the Q and A. That was. But you know, thing. but you knew she was going to be at the screening. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah, didn't oh, know Q and A. Okay. Oh, didn't oh, know Q and A was going to be arranged until yeah, I saw yeah, an Instagram yeah. story the night before. No, no, no. I understand. Okay, yeah. so I didn't even know she would be there. You know, no, and like, yeah. no, and, and you know, at the end of the day, not that it, like matters. It's not like um, you know, we're trying. It's like it's not a focus group where you're trying to get the most genuine, authentic thing ever out of the audience or anything. It doesn't matter. Nah. I think yeah, that, that might have influenced it in some way, maybe. But regardless, no, I thought this, I thought the movie was funny. I, I, I really did. Everything, dude. I mean, I, I think I got some of the biggest laughs. So no surprise. But um, like everything with Arthur and him, like having to every time he gets involved in the hey sung nora thing and his insecurity comes out in a scene it's gold every time it like is. the way it comes out in a in a really like just comedic but like i don't know just in a really like um in a charming sort of just humorous way it's great like it, it doesn't it never comes out as negativity you know it comes out as Celine talks a lot about how the characters are just trying really hard um and it comes out as that 
you know, it's humor that is born from that as opposed to born from, you know, jealousy or any any other negative emotion. So in a way that sort of just adds to the the breeziness and the breezy sort of atmosphere of the film as well. The fact that the humor comes from from that sort of a place, I think. Um, yeah, like what do when they're like walking down the street, I was laughing, no doubt. <laughs> I mean that 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 is sort of the thing we anticipate through Arthur's character. People expecting to be a jealous prick, it's, you know, or or something like that. And I mean, I guess Celine's writing about her husband, so if she thinks that he's not a typical American asshole, then you know she has every right to put him in a good light. And I thought that was really done with a lot of breeze, just like showing Arthur's character that doesn't feel as cliche as any white American would if they see. Yeah. To to two people to like you know getting along with each other and yeah no nah, Arthur's characters you know well presented uh you know throughout the runtime. Yes, yes, absolutely. Did the score stand out to you guys at all? Um, I sort of felt it had a this. I know it's not right, but it almost like the closest I could come is to say it had an almost jazz quality, but like a sort of sort of like I don't know like a some I feel like it's like a subgenre of jazz or something is sort of how I would say, but I don't know. Maybe I'm I mean, it's, I mean it's New York, man. So um, true. Maybe. It was a pretty subtle score, I think, and she 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 said that when she was on to like the composers, like like that's what she wanted, right? But I think like the yeah. most frenetic it got was in that first meeting on, over Skype, right? Like where she's rushing home, and like you know you can kind of you, you feel. Like you you can find it feel it you can kind of feel the tension and you can feel the excitement and I feel I think the score reflected that there, but I think for the rest of the film it does fade into the background. But like, um, I think she was yeah. she, she was saying that she 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 said something like um she didn't want to create like a sound rather than like a like a score like she she said something about that right? It was about the sound of the cities right and the sound of the um is that yeah. right the sound of, the sound of the environment sort of yeah rather becoming... than like creating like a musical kind of piece mm. yeah, yeah yeah because i i think i think she does that in the scenes we were talking about um at the carousel and stuff like some of those mm. extended dialogue scenes sort of just the sounds of the city sort of carry that yeah if i recall correctly i think we should probably talk about the children as well because 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 um oh yeah sure um yeah we can we can add this one to the uh, imdb trivia about like how um yeah about how like uh they, they didn't have to do a chemistry read for 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 the for the adults but for the kids she did and um she was saying that when they when, when she had the like she had a she had an aura locked in and then when she was having like the 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 little the little high songs come in um i think, <laughs> I, think she, 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 I think she said the third one was the one where like um he delivered like a really like kind of emotional powerful kind of like ad-libbed or uh kind of um monologue um, and it, it was so it was so effective that that it made the it made, it made little Nora cry or something like that. And she she asked Celine, "Does Nora have to go?" Um, or something like that. Um, so like I think that um, you know I, I think those kids were pretty good. Um, uh, like yeah. uh, I think um, maybe part of it was the the language thing because I, I did feel like some of it was a bit stilted, but I think it was pretty strong. Um, and I think that's a really cute story as well um, that came out of it. I enjoyed that. That first scene in Korea, definitely. I think the way the film sort of just handles the characters aging feels very feels very good. I don't know. So I don't know exactly what do you think they did with um, Nora and Hai Sung between the when they were in their twenties versus in their thirties? Because I don't know if 
You think it was a bit of makeup? Because I, think I, it was I a don't. Touch of it. I think it was more than anything. I think it was like costume and hair, because yeah. they they mm. felt different. Especially High Sung felt very different when by the time he got to his thirties, um, compared to his twenties. And I think I, I I didn't notice makeup. Maybe there was a little bit, but um, yeah, I feel like there was some choices and some thought put into that. But it, think- it worked. I think Sung's face felt a lot more structured as he matured, and like I don't see how you achieve that without makeup. You know? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a, maybe the, the actor has a certain posture or something. I, 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 this is only complimenting the film because mm. most of the time we'd sit here and say, "Oh yeah, they put some wrinkles on him." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can't I can't exactly put my finger on it, but um, I felt it. It worked. Yeah. Well, I Nora did feel she didn't feel twenty four to me. Like that did that was a bit jarring to me. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. But okay. you know, it's kind of natural. It's hard to get them to look super young. You know. Oh, I don't know. You just deep fake them these days, bro. Yeah. How exciting that we could deliver our own trivia. You know what I mean? Contribute <sighs> to the world. I love it. Contribute love to it. the world. Just on that, like, like, just, just on Celine. I, I do want to say, like, there's something I said about to you guys about about afterwards as well, like. I loved her energy in the Q and A's and the and the and the kind of talk session because she felt young, she felt excited, and like she talked, she just spoke really enthusiastically and really passionately. And in a business where like it often feels like very professional and formal, and like sometimes like I think when people talk about their products, they can feel kind of removed because um, they've spent so mm-hmm. long talking about it. I think she 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 just spoke really great and really and like uh, hearing her her talk was fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent. I recommend. Yeah. Uh, I recommend going to that one session that we went to. <laughs> I, re- I recommend time traveling. Now, I, rec- I, I, I recommend. I'm sure there's talks with her up on YouTube and stuff, or if not, there will be as the film releases more widely. So, mm. I definitely recommend checking him out for sure. No, nah, like she, she seems like a very, you know, very gnarly person. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> can't describe her because Jane, Jane described everything about her already, so I can't really add. Some more, but but you yeah, may as well add by using some cinder effect uh, vocabulary language with gnarly. This film will definitely get nominated for Oscars. Mm. I just actually, that, that's something I was thinking about. I think the the film's too quaint to get like an award slip, right? Too quaint in what way? It's just it's it's small, it's neat, it's cute, it's nice. Mm. Right. I I, right. I I I can't imagine it going on to be getting 11, 12, 13, fucking all these noms and awards. Like it, it, it feels, it feels a little too small. And like, I know, I know, you know like often we're wrong with Oscar predictions and often it's, it's, you know, but I, 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 I don't see this film. What? I don't know. Well, okay. So like drive my car that was nominated last year, right? That feels uh, two years ago. That doesn't feel like a totally, it's kind of a similar vibe actually. Like, it's, That's a it's, it is. Yeah, it, it is. It's an epic it though. Yeah. Vibe. I don't know if there's like that strict rules for like what becomes an Oscar film. I think it is harder to predict than that. But I, I could see the, the the three actors maybe getting a shout, maybe even like like I'm not, I'm not even sure if they will. Okay. But like I, I I can't see the film itself getting nominations or even script wise. It's an interesting point. I think I'm just I can't yet tell because I'm still confused about it's the whole release thing with it in terms of over there. And if what you're saying true about the, is true about the VOD, Jada, then that's potentially compromising. No, um, I think it has, it's had it's like, like, cause isn't it six weeks limited release? I'm sure, I'm sure it's had that, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, in terms of buzz around it, like, oh, right, right. 
because the fact that it like if it's if its theatrical run is done in the US right now, it's only sitting at seven thousand IMDb reviews. That's not that's not great for it, right? I now. think you know what I mean. So, like a hundred thousand views on Letterboxd. Yeah, it's like so many people on Letterboxd have seen it though. Oh really? Hundred thousand on Letterboxd and only seven thousand IMDb. Is that true? With that new knowledge about Letterboxd, I, I can see it getting knobs. Especially since like a lot of people now started going with Letterboxd in this day and age, and I feel like the Oscars tend to look towards people on Letterboxd. Please saying, don't say the Oscars tend to look towards Letterboxd. I feel like they do. Like, how the fuck did everything everyone wants win Best Picture? You tell me. Nah, like, man, uh, come on. Bloody the year before it was what it, it was. What was that movie called? Coda. Nah, Coda. Man. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think Eckhart is a fucking best picture. A winner. Yeah, anything's possible, Jen. All right, let's get to our final verdicts for past lives. Ho ho, Fitzy. Um, no, I, I think it's a, a great film, but, you know, a little outside my taste, I guess. So mm. I give it a very, very strong seven. Like, Wow. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if we had Selene here, man. What, what would she think with your school? Thankfully, we, we uh, you know don't know her personally. I've never seen her, so yeah, I mean, she, we're talking to her after the film. Like, the same, like, right? like she, she, like she just messaged me before saying she cancelled. Like, yeah, like she didn't have to be there. Yeah, like we organised and everything. Zach sent her an email link. I did, and she didn't reply. Why, Celine? Why didn't you reply to my email? Um, she better be listening to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jaden brought up. Um, at the start that I have moved around in my life and uh, and therefore the film resonated harder for me and that's probably true. But in, to try and expand a little bit on what I was saying at the start, I, I, I think the film, even though, you know, when you look at the Haesung-Nora dynamic and, the, and that final scene where we talked about a lot and the whole thing of, of what the ending is and, you know, to how it's about for them letting go and, you know, basically being face-to-face with what could have been a very different life for both of them. Like, for me, I take that. And I, the thing that makes the film so relatable is the fact that, like, it's you take that moment and it almost represents, like, the huge weight of all the decisions we make in our lives all the time. You know, whether it's moving away from home, choosing our uni course, choosing where we work, our careers, anything at all like that. Like, you know what I mean? I, I really think the film goes beyond um, being about a romantic relationship at, at, at a certain point. And, you know, as young people, I guarantee there are already t- a ton of those decisions that we have made already. Like, and, and just, um, and they're just as important as the ones that we didn't make as well, you know, much like Nora, you know, has with Hey Sung. So, um, but those things often go unnoticed. Um, mm. We don't, necessarily always consider like the alternate outcomes of all these different paths that we have taken and, and all the ones that we didn't take after the fact. Um, and thank God, because that would be crazy overwhelming. Who would ever want to do that and consider all that? But for them, you know, that's what they represent to each other in a very tangible form with the characters. But And for everyone else, I feel like someone, every person can can draw a line there in some way. Even if you, I can personally never say I've stood in an Uber with like, you know, a past someone who could have been my girlfriend or what, you know what I'm saying, like 10 years ago, whatever. But I can say that about other decisions I've made in my life and and for, for me personally, like friendships I've had in other places for sure. That In that way, it is more quite literal for me a little bit. But despite that, I think I think it relates in a lot of different ways. 
So I'm going to whack a nine on it. Sorry, that was the most uh, that was the most like long winded tangent to convince myself to give it a nine. But I, that's exactly what I'm going to do. What a passionate piece! What the hell? Thank you, that's... Annie. Thank you so much. What are you going to give it? Look, I mean, I, 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 you know, I applaud Zach's entire point about young people and the decisions we make as you know the t- years go by. Uh, but uh, I'm sort of left left wing to that. I'm quite aimless in real life. <laughs> anyway, my verdict on the film. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was really good. Like there were some great moments in terms of technical, you know, technical decisions that Celine makes. I think considering her background from playwright, it is really impressive that her first feature debut was done really well. Like she makes the screenplay, puts it to life through cinema tools. She has a great cinematographer that she'll probably collab in in the next few projects and they shot in 35 mil. By the way, just just a shout out to those two moments, two cutaways that were so important to the film when they cut away to the younger, the kid, the children's cells. That was also some great, you know, some great imagery done. Uh, even though her, she was in our presence, it probably wouldn't impact the score. Okay. But yeah, yeah her talk was no, really great. No bias. No uh, bias. Yeah. yeah. Great, great feature debut, I suppose. Uh, she was like walking right behind us, could have asked for a selfie. Because yeah, she could be an Oscar winner <laughs> in a few years' time if she makes more projects. So for a feature debut, I'll slap on an eight out of ten. I think I'll give this a rewatch, but I don't know when. Probably twelve years. Sure. Of so course. yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my exactly twelve years past. That's my overall verdict for this film. And uh, yeah, nice. I'm surprised by Zach's nine, to be honest. But nah, it, that's it, fine. you know, he he backed it up really well. And I'm Liam just, with I'm a so- seven. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised you tried to rival my um, incredibly lengthy justification, but thank you, Andy. Jaden, what about you? Jayden. Yeah, I, I, I really loved it. Like, like it's super entrancing and incredibly beguiling um, and deeply romantic, like, like like I was saying before. Like, even even outside of the characters' you know, um, relationships, it does beautifully to romanticize locations, professions, and all that shit. Um, and most importantly, it helped me with my architecture work. Um, and for that reason, I will be giving it a nine. Whoa, this is—I'm so glad I invited you then, and everyone else. This is this is a watershed moment for me then. You helped. You helped in so many different ways, Andy. Thank you ah, very much. Life Like Jen was, Jen had to bring that up at one point. Architecture. So I'm very pleased. She helped with me. His she helped, she helped me with my with my work. You know, I have to I have to give her a yeah. shot. Now it's time for our highlights of the week. Oh my god, Fitzy, what have you been watching? I watched the Terminator. Yeah, it was a, it was a very strong film. It was, it was great, super, uh, you know, resplendent kind of eighties vibes. You know, some amazing practical, just stunt work and stuff. I think was it for the first one or the second one. I was like looking through the letterbox, like car, like the uh, crew. And it was like right at the director, and it was just stunt, 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 like all the way through. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the first one is super, super strong. Um, just like, I don't know, uh, it's just a great uh, structure and story, and kind of, I don't even know. Great theme song. Great theme song, yes, yes. Was that oh, yeah. the inspiration of Battlefield? Battlefield 4? Dun, 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 oh. dun. I feel like it almost was. Probably. I mean, um, it's super iconic. Terminator, super amazing film. 
T2, I kind of felt like it was a bit too like Aliens for me, where mm-hmm. the first one was a good action horror film. Um, and then the second one is like a great action film that I wasn't like, I wasn't super engaged in the action anyway, but the stuff apart from the action, um, separate from the action, isn't that special? I guess I do. I I really wish that I enjoyed it more. Like I, I was, I was thinking these both of these films are going to be ten out of tens, you know. But mm. unfortunately, as as T two went on, I was less engaged. Oh, so. Did you also find that because you were mentioning how T two felt like Aliens, uh, the second Aliens film? Yeah. Did you see like that sort of parallel? between Ripley and uh, Sarah Connor, how in the first film oh, their okay. character seems more vulnerable vulnerable, and then the second film they seem more tough and stronger? Is, it, is there like a – do you think that's a thing that James Cameron wanted? Yeah, maybe, yeah. I thought you were going to say the hair because there's like a hair. Oh. convention <laughs> with like Aliens and T2 and G.I. Joe where as, as, as the movies go on, the female protagonist get, gets tougher but she also becomes more masculine because she gets less – hair you know and like gi joe too she's like bold or whatever i wish i been young but um <laughs> yeah um yeah t2 was like a little it, it, it's still really amazing in terms of like technical like stunts and shit um but i just found like especially the, like uh t100 or whatever his name was t1000 yeah he was a little t1000 he was a little too op you know and the the shots that the scenes where they're like shooting him and he's like, he's like getting like all these metal dents or whatever were kind of weird. Mm-hmm. There's kind of just a lot less tension in D two, but you know I still appreciate it. So I'm yeah. so happy to have someone that shares my opinion finally on that T two is is is, is significantly worse. Oh, I no, I I, I like T one better than T two. I do as well. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. I've like never actually talked to you yeah. about T two. I saw. I. I mean, I only. I've seen T two once ten years ago, so like, don't really recall it that well. I just remember like thinking it was. It was Same. Good. Like I didn't really. I didn't really care for it a lot. I haven't seen Terminator in like years as well, and I thought T one was better just because you know Arnold makes a better villain. Oh yeah, and then the second one. Yeah, oh, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, as a he's an amazing. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger is an amazing. Schwarzenegger. No, I'm just having trouble hearing that that last part. Can you can you just say that? Last oh no, part? that's his name, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Zach, cut it out. <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. Mayor of California, Arnold Schwartz. Um, yeah, he, he's an amazing Terminator villain. Like he's a scary. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to first that guy. Jaden, what have you been watching? I've been watching a, a, a few crime crime type stories. Uh, okay. I watched I watched the Blank Bone Collector, and and then I watched Boston Strangler. And I guess I'll, I'll talk about that one because that's, that's that's the more recent one. Okay. This this play is very similar to to to, to, to Zodiac, um, in that it's a, it's it's re- it's really key that it's the newsroom side of it rather than the murderer and the detective, and it's it's just it, it stars Kira Knightley and um some other famous person who I can't recall, but she is a reporter and she's 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 live reporting on the on on the stranglings and. Um, and she's the first one to make the connections, and she's 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 actually the one breaking the story. So she very so so her character does very much take up that that Robert Graysmith role, but it, it it just does not have the 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 technical prowess of Zodiac. It closes the film far more openly than what Zodiac does because Zodiac rounds out Graysmith's story because they they can't resolve the killings, so that so they so they resolve Graysmith, 
but the film it kind of leaves it too open because they can't resolve it entirely. Um, so they just supplement it with a shit ton of text, like way too much text, really. Um, and it, it, she, she, uh, she still gets her ending, and, and you know there, there is a kind of resolution, but it, it, it is not to is is nowhere near as satisfying um, as, um, as as what we have seen. But the film looks stunning, uh, really, really gorgeous. Just shooting Boston and in in this nineteen sixties vibes, uh, and 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 it is well acted from Kira as well. It's 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 decently strong, but it is it is it, is, it will also fall behind uh, whatever the saying is, you know. Uh, Fighter obscurity. Yeah, yeah, that sure. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Is, it, is it is this a twenty twenty three film? Yeah. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I, I was really thinking I was going to be the Boston trailer was going to be as good as Zodiac. So, um, I'm sad that you've said this now. It's really unfortunate. Andy, what have you been watching? A lot of MIF films. Sorry, Melbourne International Film Festival films. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you. Dug all three of them. Uh, six so far in terms of 2023 films. Besides Past Lives, I think my favorite screening of all time is going to be Wim Wenders' Perfect Days. Now, have you guys heard of Patterson? Uh, it's starring Adam Driver, directed by Jim Jarmusch. Uh-huh. It is, yeah, I mean, Liam's already saw it. It's, it's sort of similar to that. You, you can say it'd be a good double feature uh, to put both those films together. Uh, you know, Patterson being a bus driver and this this Japanese protagonist being a uh, toilet cleaner. And I think Jaden might be into this film since he's been to Japan before. Uh, bro. Thanks for surprising me. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. It has some of the best toilets you'll ever see. I think you've been to them, though. Someone tells me that you've been to those toilets. Have you seen them? Like the ones where you go in and then <laughs> no, it's like see through, but but once you get in, it doesn't see through anymore. Have you been to those toilets? No, I'm I'm, I'm pretty diligent with my uh with my with my with my bowel movements, and I only shit at the hotel. Oh, cool. All right. So, hang so on, there's not, toilets not where you toilet. can you can see through, and then what? Like the locking mechanism then closes the view. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah. Frosted glass Frosted. or something like that, right? Frosted glass, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Wow, that sounds fancy. It's 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 really good. Um, I need to check that out. Uh, in terms of the film, probably one of the sweetest slice of life films you've probably ever seen. But I'm I'm going to overhype this so much because I I, <laughs> I cried a few times, especially when we get to the scene. Like you get to see his daily routines and his you know just like the the quietness the quietness of his ordinary life. And his personality. You get to see him wake up in the morning, spraying a bit of uh, his plant, uh, going out doing his work, and then he gets home. He reads his book. That's that's when I start you know, growing a passion for reading books through this character. He's also got a passion for music as well. He loves hearing, listening to cassette, cassette tapes. Like there, there will be a, there will be like a few scenes expanding on his love for cassette tapes. I think people watching will probably get that nostalgic feel of what it felt like to play you know good music back in the days on cassette tapes so i thought the analog aspect of that film was really well done it is a 10 out of 10 film for me i think voom is becoming my, one of my favorite living directors right now in terms of like art house scene that also plays into the score that i gave this 10 out of 10 as well yes really nice that felt like, the, that felt like the longest thing i've said in my life and it didn't go anywhere but. oh mate you, but you're still reading this essay later so, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Shit. <laughs> sorry about that. Maybe we should make that a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds beautiful. That sounds, that sounds great. I like the sound of that. I should check out Patterson. I like the sound of that. Sounds like a sort of like a slow living sort of film. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Adam Driver, the bus driver. You know, cool. you'll, you'll get into that, Zach. Yeah, nice. I like that. 
Um, building off our experience at the Melbourne Festival, um, I watched The Lost City of Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Where you, did you watch that? On Sorry? Doc Play. <coughs> oh. Sorry, yeah. where? On Doc Play. Doc Play. It's a streaming service. <laughs> Documentary streaming service. Oh, um, never heard of it. No. Love stealing my family logins. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a film sort of just covering the history of Melbourne architecturally and the and the buildings that have stood in the past. I'm sure it'd be right up Jaden's alley. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning a bit more about Melbourne. Of course, obviously, it's probably the, the the metropolitan city I'm the most familiar with. I don't know. Like, there's an aspect of it where, like, sometimes the film's sort of about it covers just some broader history stuff. But if if it's about anything, it's you know about the the buildings that were lost, you know, that were that were demolished sort of in the period between the 1950s and 70s sort of thing, um, sort of the old Victorian buildings and stuff, and it covers some of those. I liked learning about them, but, like, I, I feel like the film at times, like, tries to, like, mourn them as if they're, like, a huge loss, and and I'm sure they are to some people. Like, I'm sure Jaden, like, it would probably hit Jaden hard and, like, he probably really appreciates them a lot more. I was like, oh, yeah, these are cool buildings. I, I like learning about them. And then, the, and then there's, like, a two-minute montage with the most depressing music about how they're all gone, and I'm kind of <laughs> like... Yeah, okay. Like I'll just I'll tune back in when they start spitting more facts. You know what I mean? Like I, I sort of I didn't care that much in that way, but um, but it was it's st- still cool to to learn about that kind of thing. I guess I, I was close to seeing this at the theaters with a with the director Q and A like around June, so I could have seen it. Oh, really? Okay, my God, let's get into this. Where the segment comes where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show last week we asked you how are you feeling about the state of the mcu right now and are you excited for the future this of course has nothing to do with anything but why not let's do it let's delve in nick said i feel after the infinity war endgame duo finished up all the hype disappeared and they just failed to rebuild it i haven't been excited for a single movie since then yeah i'm i largely agree um We'll get into all our thoughts pretty soon. But um, unfortunately, Luke wrote in a huge essay. Well, not unfortunately. I asked him to, but it is also very daunting. Luke wrote in an essay for an answer. He's, of course, very passionate about the MCU. And uh, Andy's going to take us away with reading Luke's impassioned submission here. Let's see. How, should I'm I time sure. him? How long, how long is this going to sure. take? Uh, Liam's already walked out. Liam's <laughs> taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon's hopped in bed, and um, yeah, okay. I'm definitely gonna have to put a timestamp for this, I, but of course, I need a- Luke's. It's all staying in for Luke, of course. Oh no, you know what I mean? he's, he's back. Oh my all god, right. take it away. All right, uh, Luke, sit back and relax. <clears throat> As a dedicated like fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe (brackets MCU), the aftermath of Avengers Endgame left me exhilarated and eager to witness the next chapter in this epic saga. With the conclusion of the Infinity Saga, the franchise stood at a crossroads, tasked with maintaining its momentum while introducing new narratives and characters. However, while films like Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings and Spider-Man No Way Home managed to captivate, some some recent releases failed to elicit the same level of excitement. Furthermore, the Disney shows anticipated with enthusiasm proved to be a mixed bag, and recent disappointments like Ant-Man, The Wasp, Quantumania... Is that, how you, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. It's a disastrous okay. name. And uh, Secret Invasion, that Nick Fury show, I know that one, have, a cast, have cast a shadow of doubt over the franchise's future. 
Avengers Endgame was a cinematic masterpiece that left an indelible mark on my cinematic experience. What what cinematic experience? As a climatic <laughs> conclusion to the Infinity Saga, it was a momental, moment, monumental feat that left me wondering how the MCU would follow up such an extraordinary achievement. While Shang-Chi and Spider-Man No Way Home delivered a delivered compelling stories and remarkable moments, subsequent releases felt like they were struggling to fill the void left by Endgame. I haven't seen Endgame yet, but uh, yeah, we'll see. By the way, what's up with all this praise for Shang-Chi, man? Do people actually still like that movie? Like, because, like it's Asian, because it's like an Asian person playing a superhero, Asian superhero, people overpraise it, and I feel like I don't give a fuck. But I like Tony Leung, which is why I do have a sweet spot for Shanti. Yeah. No, nah, action's fun. Yeah, it's quite good. Is any action in the MCU fun, though? Like, the bus scene was very like good. I like crappy it. fucking CGI. I, I, I do want to I do want to say, I think a person who works with Jackie Chan's stunt team does choreograph Shang-Chi. So I think there's there's that one you know, one good thing about the action okay. scenes, I guess. Sure. I don't know. That's just me overpacing Hong Kong cinema in general. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> it's natural for any franchise to encounter transitional challenges after peak like Endgame. Did you hear that? So someone's at the door? No. No, you're right. You're right. You, you can go. Okay. Some films like Shang-Chi and the Spider-Man Nowhere Home managed to recapture the magic of the MCU, introducing new characters and concepts while honoring the established law. I, I, I'm sorry, Annie. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt. I'm calling out Luke right now. Jack GBT wrote this because he said that line three times. Yeah. <laughs> True. I don't know. I think Luke, I read the same thing. I don't know. Luke, Luke was having a go with. No, you didn't, Annie. You didn't. I swear to God, you didn't. Okay. And, and Luke's having a go with AI. Anyway, please continue. Okay, if you say so. Um, these films reminded me that the MCU still had the power to enthrall audiences. Nevertheless, not every film managed to sustain the same level of excitement. The ambitious introduction of the multiverse, which initially sparked my curiosity, started to feel convol- conv- convoluted with the announcements of films like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Segregation. Oh, shit, this is the same thing. <laughs> Uh, is someone looking at Discord? Because I don't know if I'm reading the same thing twice. Because I no, feel like I Annie, have. Annie, I swear to Jesus, you're not. You're not. It's, I'm not. Because I'm scrolling down and I'm not scrolling repeated. back up. Please, but you sure? uh, keep going. Far We're in the, the right. long hole here. The complexity of this concept combined with Luke warm responses to recent releases <laughs> left me concerned about the franchise's direction. Okay, this is a new paragraph, I feel. <laughs> new content coming. <laughs> New content coming. Uh, the expansion of the MCU onto Disney Plus was a promising venture that aimed to delve deeper into characters and offer a more immersive experience. While WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki showcased the potential of this format, not every series resonated with me equally. Some fell short in terms of pacing and execution, leading to a realization that translating the MCU's cinematic magic to the small screen was no easy feat. In the midst of uncertainty, I find myself grappling with the question. Is there still hope for the MCU's future? Despite the recent setbacks and mixed reception, I'm torn between my loyalty to the franchise and the nagging of doubt that, re- that, that things might never be the same. As a devoted MCU fan, the j- journey through the post-endgame era has been rollercoaster of emotions. While the franchise continues to showcase its strengths, it also fa- has also faced challenges in maintaining its previous heights of excitement and engagement. The introduction of the multiverse, while intriguing, has posed narrative challenges that the MCU must navigate carefully. 
Looking ahead, I'm cautiously, I'm cautiously optimistic that the MCU will find new ways to captivate audiences while remaining true to its roots. While doubts may ling- okay, while doubts may linger, the magic of the MCU storytelling has proven resilient in the face of uncertainty. I feel like I read out twice, what the hell? And I remain committed to witnessing its evolution. And then here we go. Luke ends off with TLDR. Not excited about the future, but we'll still watch it. Which could have been a very sufficient answer if yeah. he didn't write an essay, I guess. But thank you, Luke, for writing that final sentence, yeah. and thank, thank you, ChatGPT, for submitting the essay. I really appreciate that. I really enjoyed reading that, though, regardless of how repetitive it felt. I think I'm Luke, glad. Luke did a good job making me improve my English. I'm glad. I'm glad. Some I'm definitely way. doing a different timestamp now because I just realized we've got no hope of anyone listening to our thoughts. No, no hope of anyone listening to our thoughts after if uh, there's not a timestamp. No. Okay. Now, Andy, I know, I know you have, as you've already mildly expressed here, have a lot of hate for the MCU. Do you, like, how much of it have you seen in general? I don't know. Up until Guys of the Galaxy, I think. Oh, okay. So you've seen think a fair bit of the first one. Have you, have you seen Endgame and, like, that sort of thing? Well, I haven't seen Avengers, uh, if whatever the second one is. Age of Ultron? Oh, okay. I think he's watched so, it in order. So he's, he's watched it up to 2014, I think. Gotcha. Okay. Mm, there we go. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. God. Well, you're you're in the glory days. So, uh, well, mm. Age of Ultron. But um, you know. So what exactly is happening to MCU that made you guys ask this question? What is happening to MCU? Because I'm kind of behind. Yeah, it's a good. No, it's a good point. For me, I want you guys to jump in and correct me. But like, the spark of it for me was just I feel like there's a vibe out there right now of of quite for the first time in in a long time of like negativity and skepticism and pessimism about the whole thing widely i know there always has been in in smaller and you know cinema cinema files and all that sort of thing but just generally even mm. of people who really have loved it before um yeah and i feel like it comes from you know the quality of some of the recent products the saturation of some of the recent products you know the, the fact that in dude was it 2021 there were like five i think if you can what if there was six disney plus shows in that one year um just so much of it, little of it hitting on the on the levels that it should, and then the yeah. recent sort of sparks were with um, with Secret Invasion, which I was hopeful for, and and you know there hadn't been a show on Disney Plus in almost a year, so it was like oh they've taken a bit of a break, you know the show looks all right, let's see, and it came out and and uh, by all accounts was pretty shit, um, combined with you know their future plans being announced in the past year, they're just. I don't know, to me, don't seem that exciting, but that's obviously entirely subjective. So I feel like there's a few different things going on. Jaden also mentioned some of the real-life actor stuff, which we can talk about if we want to. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like there's a bit of – there's something there's something stirring right now, the MCU, that I feel mm. like is going to end up determining its direction in the next few few years anyway. Yeah, so that, was, I mean, that was my thinking. Judging Luke's, you know, two-star rating for Secret Invasion, I do feel like, it's going to head towards a aimless direction with the content they put out. Uh, as whereas, whereas if I'm excited about the future or not, I hope it slows down so I can catch up on the MCU films, if you get what I'm saying. Do you want to? Maybe, because I hear Quentin Tarantino and PTA, uh, Liam's favourite director, actually does like watching MCU films. And, you know, I'll, I'll try my best to get through them. And if, <laughs> if they do slow down... I think I might have a chance to get all the way to Secret Invasion. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch the TV shows. Are they worth it at the same time? No, there's plenty that you don't need no. to watch. No. There has been value in the MCU, and there still is, in just that they are pop culture phenomenons. 
like to to, to discredit them completely is 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 not i don't really part of that pop culture to be honest like i'm not i'm not i'm not you know that person to be part of that pop culture yeah, but I, think, uh, 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 I think this attitude that exists amongst the community that, is, that Zach mentioned of, of just dismissing them entirely is very... Elitist? Well, huh? Like, we're very pretentious. Very elitist, yeah, like, because the thing is, like, because, like, you, you, like, you see that you, you see people, you see these same people then jumping through loops and making exceptions to later films when directors they like, like Chloe Zhao, t- coming onto a project like Eternals. Right. Right. Like, oh, oh okay, but this yeah. one's okay because there's natural light, so it's okay to like, <laughs> like, like yeah, you know, no, no like, green screen. Like, yeah. you know, you're just a wanker. Like, fuck off. Um, right. Like, like, like to 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 dismiss what has has been is 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 wrong. But I I think that there is certainly a point where you can say that there is a significant shift in quality, and there is a point where you can say they're doing too much and the, there is a downturn in, 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 in what they have been doing. But like, I think they are going to continue to make good products as well, but I just think it's going to be rare because like people like the, the, the discussion amongst like fans uh, of this post Endgame thing is, is generally like, Oh, it's gone to shit. But then you see the people like, Oh, well actually black Panther two was pretty good. Oh, you know, Shang-Chi was pretty good. Oh, this was pretty right. good. And all that, like, there are there have been a lot of bad things, but there have been some days projects as well. Um, and the thing is, if they keep on getting auteur directors to, to come onto projects, they do sort of help. They they do have the the chance that they will break through with something really good. So like there is there is um there is potential there, but like I, I think it is definitely waning because they are trying to diversify their product too much. It is it is just like greedy capitalism that that is ultimately being the being the downfall because it's just stretched too thin and like. They have identified that to a degree, and they are, they have said going forward they are going to try and release less products per year. I I think the issue is that they they they're just trying to make they're trying to make everybody somebody, and they really shouldn't be because like characters like that first from Hawkeye are getting their own products and shit like that. Right. You know? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like they, they need to they 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 need to just reassess that and just come back to their core. Um, and, and I think that will be fine. Yeah. Great point. Point. Is there yeah. a point where, is there a point where, um, in the, in the franchise where it feels like MCU fatigue? Yeah, that comes where, a different place for everyone. You know, you can't watch these films as independent films anymore because they are all connected. They are. It, it is just right. a very long TV show with very long episodes. Um, oh, okay. like like Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah, like oh, yeah. like um, that that point that that fatigue will come at different points for everyone. I know it, it was hitting for Zach before Endgame even happened, but then. But then you watch Infinity War, and then you were back on track with it, and it's happened for everyone else at other different points. Like it's it's totally it's totally yeah. true. Infinity in uh, having before Infinity War, Infinity War reinvigorated me for probably a couple of years. Um, yeah, and I fell off again. Where, where are you at with that now? Because I know you still. I think you keep up the most of of us here, Jaden, with the more. Yeah, um, I think I'm I'm up to date on movies, but TV shows I've uh, I'm 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 far behind in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the only reason I'm, I'm up to date with movies is because I go with my, with one of my mates, and we just you know we make a day with it. You know, not make a day with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it's a that. thing that we do. You know, so like, yeah. And and are you with the being up to date with the films and and the recent quality of the films you've seen and carrying into the future? Like, are you excited for what are some of the big ones coming out? There's like there's well, the Marvels is next. Um, the Marvels is next, and then there's but look into the future. They're they're building eventually to this another two part Avengers thing, right? With yeah, the, the Thunderbolts is first, and then and then. The only, thing, or whatever. the only thing that's got me going is the Avengers films, really. Okay. 
because all, all of these mining characters aren't really interesting to me. If they make another Spider-Man, I don't know. Like, I think they are going to continue to make Spider-Mans because they, like, they talk about it as an as a origin trilogy. Um, yeah, Spider-Man will always yeah. be a hallmark for me. Spider-Man's great. So, you know, as long as they keep on making those, I'll be, I will be watching. But, like, yeah, these, yeah. The, this, this slate of characters that they've got going at the moment don't really interest me. Yeah, it's another great point about it. It's, you know, you can argue the quality of some of the products and I think overall it's fair to say that it's lessened probably because of the frequency has gone up. But then Jane's absolutely right. There's been some, there's been some, you know, decent stuff in there as well. But that's a great point about the slate of characters because a big part of why Endgame is so satisfying is the characters and what they built in those years and how, like, you know, you connect with them in different ways. And I feel like right now, you know, you could argue they're in a building phase with the characters again. Um, I think they're meant to be, but I don't know. I really don't care about many of these characters and maybe I will, but I'm, I'm always open-minded about what's to come, but I don't know, like uh, in trying to envision what this 2025 Avengers film looks like and its cast of characters, I'm like, who's going to be in it that I give a shit about other than Spider-Man, you know? Fitzy, where are you at right now in this very second with your momentum with the MCU and are you excited for the future? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, it is a bit of a low um, at the moment, even even with like Guardians three um, coming out and being you know a strong film. Just because I feel like now, like people are kind of realizing like the lack of momentum, I guess, at this moment. Um, even though it's already kind of existed, it's now it's just like, right, caught up to people, right. I guess. Yes, yes, great way to put it. Yeah, but uh, like I don't know, there is like the occasional strong film every now and again after. Endgame, like we've kind of touched on, but the thing, like uh, as a whole, it just feels a bit uh, weaker, you know, holistically. But mm. I don't think the individual films have actually gone down in quality that much. Yeah. No, that's fair. I don't know. It's weird because, yeah, I have I've had ups and downs. I'm definitely on a down. Yeah, not to say that good things won't come in the future. I'm I'm basically taking it day by day at this point with the MCU. Like I've I currently have zero momentum. Zero curiosity for the future, but not in like a jaded way, not in like I'm a pissed off ex-fan, you know, been burnt kind of way, just in like a, I don't know, whatever. We'll see. They and, need to um, call their runtime uh, is the other thing. So. Oh, yeah. 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 They, take, they, take themselves, they take themselves way too they're, seriously. They're all, they're all three hour films at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's whack. That, that's, that's just all these big films these days, like The Flash being that long as well and Indiana Jones, of course. What's going on with these big films being way too long? Um, making people sit in the theater for a long time. That's yeah. what it is. I, I, I like, honestly, that could be part of it. Like, cause, 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 um, attention spans are going down and film length is going mm. up. So I feel like there's got to be like this kind of sensationalism that they're like, that, that, that they're trying to create in each second that is just making the product just like less effective to like keep the people engaged though. You know, maybe God, that's God, that whole <sighs> idea sounds very gross to me, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They've got to do something about that. I don't know exactly where it's coming from, but it's confusing me. I know, like the MCU, the, the Marvel Studios logo being on a project, like, you, you know, used to mean more to me is sort of how I'd say it. You know, it's not like I ever thought that they always delivered amazing stuff all the time or anything like that. But um, in terms of like the superhero genre, I did, I do think there has been a bit of a dip of quality overall because I did very much have the perception that, oh, if a Marvel Studios thing is coming out then that'll stand at least at least i'm not saying it's gonna be great but at least it'll stand above the rest in the genre especially when you compare to bloody sony's trash ass associated with marvel crap um 
all their Venom movies. Venoms, um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Venom. Oh, my God. But um, so, you know, like in, in that sense, and, and what DC was doing for a time as well, like I, I think they were the best in the genre, but right now they've lost that benefit of the doubt with me. And because, I don't know, like the shows really burnt me mainly. Mm. Honestly, the shows probably did it more than anything. Like the films overall probably stayed at a consistent quality, um, you know, mid to, you know, some being pretty good. It was really probably more than anything that 2021 stretch of the shows where I just felt like I was getting burnt and burnt time after time, honestly, with those things. And Moon yeah. Knight was where I broke. I watched four episodes of Moon Knight and couldn't finish it. Oh, and God. and I never looked back after that. So yeah. that, that, that was probably more than anything actually where it sat. And then looking to the future, like Jane, Jane great point about like Agatha, House of Darkness and Echo, and all these goddamn spin-off shows of side characters from the other shows that we didn't like. You know, it's like, man, it's um I think they might have to reassess some of that. And I think they are. I think Bob Iger said some stuff about that, but I don't know. I'm not excited for the future. And I there's no and there's I'm am sim, uh, I am different to Luke in that there's no guarantee I'm gonna watch any of this stuff. I haven't watched an MCU thing since Thor Love and Thunder, which I still like. Um <laughs> Which, which I still thought it was funny. What about those screaming goats? Remember those? But, you know, if something comes out that grabs me, then I'll, I'm more than happy to check it out. I just haven't seen it and I don't see it coming. I think oh, the issue God. with the characters is is that they've, they've been successful in the past in taking unknown characters and then making them stars. Like Rocket Raccoon was a nobody in the comics until Guardians and now people would identify him as like one of the strongest characters like like um, sure. in, in the MCU. So I think that they're, they're just trying to replicate that feeling with this like slate of unknowns is what I think. Um, but I just, I, it's, it's not working for them the same way. No, it's, do you, maybe it's, I want, just trying to think about why is it maybe like, well, what I think it feels unfocused like, to I, me, but yeah, sorry. I, I think James Gunn did a really wonderful job. Um, and I think that, you, I think it is James Gunn that did it because then you see him do a similar thing in Suicide Squad where hmm. he's got this cast of characters that really like, fucking spot man and, and all that shit like they're, <laughs> they're not they're not they're not pivotal people but he takes them he has fun with them and then like he makes them strong characters so I, I think it's really his intervention that really made that thing and i think they're lacking his kind of touch at the moment yes yeah, i think there's something so, to that because outside of the james gunn new stuff looking back 10 years ago you had sort of the, other than that it was really just sort of the core group wasn't it you yeah. know like it was really just your, you know, they were doing trilogies for these for these Captain Americas and Iron Mans and that sort of thing. And then Guardians of the Galaxy was sort of new on the scene. Liam, have, did he? Um, what was the other film he did uh, that you that, that you and I watched? James Gunn. Um, not, not, we didn't watch it together, but like we've we've both seen it, right? Didn't he do some horror Slither. film? Yeah, Slither. Okay, no, I think it was a different film then. Just watch listed. Well, he's, well he's, what other movies has he done? Scooby Doo. Uh, Fuck, did he? Yeah, I feel like what? Yeah. No way, no, I don't think so. I no, no, no. I found some in Legacy. Yeah, yeah, it's on Ladbox. Uh, I don't think he's done Scooby Doo. He did. He did the two thousand and two one or whatever it is. Uh, right mm, can't see it. What do you mean you can't um, see? He fucking did it. I oh, was he the writer? Okay, maybe he was just a writer. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it. He wrote it. Oh, no, okay. you're right. James right, but like he didn't make it. He wrote it. So, yeah, because yeah, he was mainly a writer, right? Because he didn't he write Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Zack Snyder's film. Yeah, Zack Snyder and him—they're both—they're both DC, aren't they? Now, 
That's 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 well, a genuine. Zack Snyder's definitely not DC yeah. now, but is he not? What happened? Oh, no. No. Oh, I don't know. How many years ago? That's the oh. whole Snyder. That's, do you want me to explain the history of the Snyder? Nah, yeah, this, this, this thing's gone <laughs> no, on. Oh, my God. Yeah. I agree with you, Jaden. Another right. time, another time, another time. As always, we'd love you to submit your responses, thoughts, and or reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section or the Instagram comment section or join the Discord server. This week, the specific question we'll be asking you is, what is your favorite movie spanning multiple decades? Of course, in the story, if you didn't. Pick that up. Let us know. No, so not so not actors in real life. No, like Boyhood. No, that that, well, that, that counts. Well, the, well, the, the, the the story also spans multiple decades. I just read so. past last yeah. qualifiers, uh, so that's funny that we're doing two videos in a row. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you survived this far, Fitzy, what are we doing next week? Um, next week we're doing the winner of the poll by a very wide margin. Um, Zodiac, which is. It's like if you've ever seen um, Boston Strangler. <laughs> it's like that, but, you know, better. Um, yeah. And it's on Stan, Foxtel, and Netflix in Australia. So no excuses. Nice. Yeah. No, no excuses. excuses. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate you, Andy, for joining us. Thanks again for the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival yeah, invite. Yeah. You're welcome. Annyeong say all. Thank you. I hope that wasn't racist. Uh, thank you, Liam and Jaden, for joining me as always. We'll see you all next week. Have a good one and goodbye.